to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are super happy that you're here. That you are here means, you didn't know it, but it means you're part of the suicide prevention movement where we're making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And our next speaker, I'd like for you to join me in welcoming into the studio, Jennifer Eastwood. And Jennifer Eastwood is going to share with us what it takes to bounce forward, not just bounce back when life knocks you down. We know we get knocked down by life sometimes. We all do. Nobody gets out of this without some bumps and bruises. How you handle it makes all the difference in the world. So to give us some help so that we don't just bounce back, we actually bounce forward. I'd love for you to help me welcome into the studio, Jennifer Eastwood. So Jennifer, work a little magic, bring yourself up. There you are, woo! Hi. How are you? Good, I'm so happy to be here, thank you. Oh, Jennifer, you're welcome. I'm so happy that you were able to join me. This has been such a journey since we yes. met. Yes, yes, it has been. Yeah, so you had such a powerful point of view when we met. And, you know, let's face it, we met under some kind of unique circumstances. I was doing laser coaching sessions. I had 15 minutes with you. And in that 15 minutes, you had such an impact on me that I was like, would you come and talk on the show? Oh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So this is a different kind of conversation because we all have our bumps and bruises. Not all of us get knocked over. And you had kind of a knocked over kind of experience. <laughs> yeah, a very knocked over. Yeah. So before, before you go into your knocked over, just tell us about your life. Tell us who you are. You know, we're, we're just meeting you for the first time. Take us into the world of Jennifer. Okay. Well, I'm a California girl, born and raised in California. Started out in Central California and couldn't get, I just I couldn't wait to get out of there and ended up at school at UC Santa Barbara and decided I love the coast. So I ended up down in Orange County. And through all of that, I did what every good girl is supposed to do. You know, I did the college, I got the good job, I had a career. I actually am a CPA and spent over 20 years in that profession, um, being a good girl and doing what I was supposed to be doing until life knocked me down. All right. You want to take us there? I can take us there. Because I'm not going to push you on this, honey. Okay. Yeah. This is just your story. And a California girl is a life that we all envision as being completely happy and carefree and blonde. Yeah, yeah blonde. Yeah, blonde. Yeah. Um, what happened? So, I mean, really, it started, I, I built like what most people would call the perfect life. 
I got married. Like I came to Orange County, uh, started my career as a CPA, met my husband. We had two kids. I mean, bought a house. So I was on the rise to partner. And I mean, from the outside, it looked amazing. Yet when I hit partner, it was right after that that I found out that my first husband was having an affair. And that was the first thing that knocked me down. It knocked me down, but didn't completely take me down. And I bounced back from that. And I bounced back from that into, I still was at my firm. I ended up stepping down for partner, but I got remarried and had another baby. And that was really kind of where, I mean, the whole process of, of really learning how to bounce forward is I ended up, my, my husband, which we found out after the fact, but after we were together for 12 years, that um, he had a lot of the signs and symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And so our relationship was pretty tough and there was verbal abuse, emotional abuse in it. And I got to a place where I was like work, I had loved it. And then I got to a place where I was, there were some changes at work in management that had happened. I'm struggling in my marriage and I was really like thought I'm like I'm at rock bottom. I was miserable at home, I was miserable at work and I wasn't exactly sure how to get out of it. And I found an online summit which was really started to be my little bright light and I started into the self-development world. And I really started into this as I was trying to save myself but also save my marriage. Mm-hmm. Yet, the more I got into that, the worse things ended up getting in my marriage. And in March of last year, my husband actually, he moved out because we were just at a place that it had become so toxic. And it was after he moved out that I learned about the borderline and that was a lot of the reason for all of the issues that we were having. Yet he didn't want to go get the help and um, to go see a therapist. He just felt like his demons were too many and there was no way he was going to get out of it. And there was no way it would save us or our family. And shortly after he moved out, he began spiraling down into a place that he actually, he took his life. And which is the reason why I'm here in the whole suicide prevention. And The interesting thing in all of it is that, I mean, I've been very angry at him and myself, but what I really realized through all of this is that he did it because he didn't feel like he mattered, that he had a place. Yet he was the one that made me feel like I mattered because I didn't feel like I mattered when we met, which is really what kind of took us into the relationship is he made me feel so special and that I was so unique and different and he listened to me and he truly made me feel like I mattered, like I was seen and and heard in a way I hadn't been in my past. Yet when he would get into his, he'd be triggered with the borderline issues, that was when he, it was almost like I became his enemy. And so it was the opposite and he completely took that away from me and I didn't feel like I mattered. So when I started doing this whole self-development, it was all about me trying to get to a place, I mean, to understand that I mattered to myself, that I didn't need to rely on anybody else. And it's interesting how the thing that brought us, what I really think brought us together is neither of us really felt like we mattered. And 
he made, we both made each other feel like we mattered, except we, we dealt with all these issues. And then him taking his life really made me realize how similar we were and how similar so many people are and that we all are looking for happiness, but really it's the, to feel loved. It's really, we're really looking for love and connection and to feel like we do matter in this world. And sadly, my husband mattered more. His, he mattered, his life mattered more than he even realized because I think if he realized that he wouldn't have taken his life. And I think that's the whole thing that I really want to get out there and helping people understand how much they matter. They don't have to do anything, be anything. They just have to be themselves and they matter. And they matter to a lot of people. And I think that when people get to that place of that, I mean, suicide is the last attempt because they just don't feel like there's any way out. It's hopeless and they don't matter, but they do. And I think that's the thing I want to, I want people to understand and hear is that they do matter. That's really powerful. So I really appreciate that you are willing to have this conversation with us because you're right. The ability to see yourself as mattering is a huge, huge perspective that so many people are missing. What's one thing that made such a difference for you? You said that you felt heard. Take us on a given day when you felt heard by him. What was he actually doing? What are the activities that go with actually hearing someone? Yes, he, I guess one, I mean, he had a huge heart. I mean, that's one of the things with him is he truly had a huge heart and he would just listen to me in a way. I mean, it wasn't trying to fix anything or do anything. He would just listen to what I was saying and where I was struggling and he would support and he would offer advice and his, his viewpoints and things, but he never wasn't trying to fix it. And so he didn't have attachments whether or not you used his advice or took his advice? Not initially. I mean, that shifted and all of it. But in the beginning, I mean, it, that was really, I mean, and he would do things that, I mean, he would go out of his way to do little things to make my day easier. And right after we got married, he had lost his job. He had been, it was during the, the recession. And he was laid off and went back to school to change careers. Mm -hmm. And he would do little things just I was working and he would I mean I'd come home and he'd have dinner ready and just wanted to listen and he'd rub my back or give me a foot massage. I mean he would just do little things all the time that just was like you matter to me and I love you and I want to make your life easier. And he did that a lot when he, in the beginning and then the sad thing with the whole borderline and I know borderline have a very, there's a high suicide rate with people with borderline personality disorder. And the thing that was so hard with him is that when he was in that place, he would do all those things. And then when he'd get triggered into the other place, 
it was all of that stuff I would just, we would talk about when he was in a good place would get used against me. And so that's where all of a sudden, all these things where I felt like I mattered, it's like I didn't feel like I mattered anymore. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I can't look outside of myself to matter, that I have to look within and find that within me to matter to myself. And that's really what everybody, I mean, I think we all need that is, is to love ourselves and know that we matter and we don't need anything external to give us that if we have that ourselves. Wow. That's a lot when we stop living our lives by other people's validation, other people's opinions, other people's expectations. What a difference. What, well, actually, let me ask, because I don't know. What difference would that have made in your life if you had been living from self-determination rather than validation from outside of you? I think it would have made a difference in who I chose to marry for sure. Because I was always looking, that was where I, um, that's where I got my validation a lot. Well, from my career, one, in achievements, and then two, in, in the guys that I was with. I mean, and if I had had that, I mean, I wouldn't have married somebody with the borderline. I wouldn't have been seeking that. And um, not that I regret anything, because, yeah, I mean, well, no, I get that about you, honey. If you were coming at this from a place of regret and woundedness, you wouldn't be talking about bouncing forward. Yeah. So the ability that you have to be able to talk about this, to be able to share it in a way that matters to other people. You know, your story matters in both the tragedy of your husband taking his life and the roller coaster ride that you lived through leading up to that on the heels of, you know, I mean, and, and so many of us, not just women, so many people have these challenging relationship after relationship without ever getting to the understanding that you have. You know, your understanding that it's literally self-empowerment, it is self-validation, it is self-worth, and we call it self-esteem for a reason. And there's so many of us, and I'm part of the tribe here, we missed that class growing up. I mean, you know, I don't know. Somebody was like talking about trains. Well, they were talking about brains, but I thought they were talking about trains. And so I didn't go because I wasn't interested in trains. Yeah, you know, I missed that class. You know, this awareness you have now, Jennifer, this is the message that I just am so touched by. If you could wave the magic wand and take yourself back, how young would you go to give yourself a message that might change your life? Would it be the last year, a year ago? Would it be 
you know, when the, the decades or where would you go if you were going to give, go back in time to meet yourself and to say, I want you to know, where would you go and what would you say? I'd probably go back to elementary school and what, what would you be doing that day? What would your elementary school self be doing where you would find yourself? Well, I was, I, I was um, in gate. So there was just a lot of pressure on me from the beginning. What is uh, um, It's the gifted and talented. Ah. So um, I, I, I was always focused on that achieving. That's what my parents focused on. I mean, my dad wasn't around a whole bunch and he worked all the time. And, but it was always the way I got attention and validation was through achievement. And that has created, I mean, and then saying I'd go back really young because I think it would have completely changed my focus where I was more focused on school and achieving and in college, I mean, my favorite class was psychology, yet I chose accounting because that's what my parents did. And, and I was like, okay, well, it makes sense. And I was always in this, you have to work hard for it to matter. So it's not about what comes oh. easy, it's you have to work hard. And so for me, accounting was more of a, I mean, yes, it balanced debit's credits, but it was also there was a methodology, you had to understand it and then be able to apply it. And so I had to work a lot harder at it. So that's what I thought I was supposed to do based on how I was raised and this whole not believing in me and loving myself so much, but it's all about achievement and success and grades. And, and so I think that my life would be completely different if I had different messages because I wouldn't, you know, I really did enjoy my accounting career for, I was, I mean, at my firm for over 20 years and I enjoyed it for a lot of that. But really where, uh, what I love is the psychology and understanding people and why we make the decisions that we make and what drives us and how do we shift that. And so that's really been in all of this that it, it's, like I say with my husband, is he's the greatest gift of my life because he's the one that brought me back to me and to what I love and to what I want and to, to believing and, and knowing that I matter. So I'm going to be clear. This is not about regret because oh, no. not something no, right. I believe in. This is simply about what's the lesson that you would go back and give to yourself because in this exploration, there are parents who can take this lesson to their kids now. And that's why I'm asking you this particular question. It's not about anybody did anything wrong. Oh yeah, no, no. In my world. Yeah. Um, so I just want to be clear for everybody listening. It's not about regrets. It's not about anybody did anything wrong. It's just about what's the lesson that if you could take it back into your childhood by simply sharing this story, the people listening, the people watching will be able to get that lesson and bring it to their kids. Yes. I mean, I totally believe that, I mean, life happens for us and all of these things is what I needed to get to the place that I'm at. So I have no regrets in it. I think the biggest point I would make with it is that if you believe in yourself and love yourself, I mean, I think your life would go in a completely different direction than what it's gone with. I mean, it's, it's like you go in different direction based on your beliefs. And so if you take mm. that back and go, 
you know, what, if I knew this up front, what would I have done different? Well, I would have gone in a completely different direction. You'd have stayed in psychology that you were I probably would have gone with. psychology and done something <laughs> totally different. And not that I, I, I totally don't regret any of what has happened or, and I mean, I don't want people to look at it as regret either because. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I wanted to name that elephant. Yes. Yeah. Let's just, let's just put that one to bed. It's not about regret. It's not about anybody did no. anything wrong. It's just about what's the value of the lesson for the next generation? What's the value of the lesson for the next group of people? Because the pain of not understanding this idea of no regrets, you can't do it wrong, that kept me silent with my daughter prevented me from having a conversation with her that truly mattered and it handicapped me in growing my business and i didn't even realize that it was running in the background but i was like yeah come here let me help you but don't get too close because i don't want you to know my secret come right. here let me help you but don't get too close because i don't want you to know my secret and my income you look like that. Come here, come here, come here, go away, go away, go away. And I think that it's a common challenge among people because they think that there's something in their life that's worth regretting. And your topic, when you said, how about you bounce, not just bounce back, but bounce forward. I'm like, what if, Jennifer, we could find a way to help people come out of regret? Oh, yeah. I mean, shame is like, it's horrible. I mean, and, I mean, that's really where it's at. And we have, you know, that's, I think one of my superpowers is I'm all about the truth. And that's what I want is, and to talk about those things that people don't necessarily want to talk about or don't feel comfortable talking about. And then I come out and share. And then as soon as I share, then they're able to share because then they feel comfortable and, and safe in sharing. And I think we need more of that is, is getting all of that because we are really, truly more common. We have more in common than we have in differences. And even though our stories are different and the things that happen are different, I mean, we feel shame, we feel anger, we feel sadness, we feel all of the same things as a result. And so we're all part of the same energy and understand even if our stories look different. Yeah, emotions are emotions and they are a universal human experience they are what brings us closer together and allows us to empathize and to show compassion and kindness and misunderstood. They are what keep us apart and allow us to blame and shame and regret and judge. You know, yeah. there's just two sides of the coin. The coin is emotion. So, what would you say to yourself if you could go back in time? See, I go back to all of it is um, the number one regret of the dying is that we didn't, they didn't live a life true to themselves. And it is what I think I would tell myself. It's go live your life true to you and do what you want to do. And the hard part with that is so many of us I think we're so, we've lost so much of ourselves in 
because we've been hurt and the shame and the things that we started the, between the people pleasing and the things that, I mean, that's what I did was the people pleasing and what I was supposed to do. I lost me along the way. And that's been my, my journey of coming back to me. And that's what I want to help people do is not have that regret and to live a life true to themselves. So that's what I would have told myself way back then to do what, be brave and be courageous and live the life that you want to live and choose what you want to do. Be brave, be courageous, live the life that you want to do. You know, I'm going to give all parents a break. I'm just going to cut right to the chase, name the elephant in the room and give all parents a break because I raised three daughters and one of my daughters got offered an opportunity when she was around 14 to get her Screen Actors Guild card to be an ingenue, not the bad girl, not the vamp, but to be the good girl and to come into that whole world. And my knee-jerk reaction was, no, you can't have her. I was so afraid of a culture and a change that I didn't know anything about that I knee-jerked and said no. Now, I have a sister older than me in the entertainment field, and when she heard this story, she's like, why didn't you call me and ask me questions? And I'm like, because it didn't cross my mind. You know, they're, they're just, this is what made sense to me at the time. And many years later, because my daughter is no longer 14, she's now 40. Many years later, we had the conversation about this. You know, she's married, she has a son, they've got a house, you know, all of these things, you know, her life is her life. And it wasn't a bump in the road for her. But I had carried the regret thinking that my fear, my inability to allow for that risk to occur, that I, you know, whatever it was that held me back in that moment, that I had somehow harmed my child. And from her point of view, no, she's happy with her life. So I just want parents to get a break here, you know? Oh, definitely. I have three kids too. So, I mean, it's, and I've done, I did that with my daughter, my oldest, and she's 21. And she is one of the people pleasers. And I mean, her dad and I are divorced, but in trying to keep everybody happy. And I told her when she went off to college, I'm like, you, I want you to go off to college and I want you to figure out you and what you want to do. Doesn't matter what dad and I want right now. You need to figure it out. But um, yeah, we make a lot of, as parents, we make a lot of mistakes and we have a lot of, and then we do the best we can. We make a lot of decisions we, and then sometimes we judge them uh, as yes. mistakes. What yes. if we stop doing that to ourselves? I'd be so freeing. I think that we can start the no judgment club. What do you think? I think so. I think we all we need it. To, yeah, well, we have to make decisions. I mean, it's given, especially if we're parents, it is incumbent upon us to make decisions. That's the job we signed up for. But what if we could stop second guessing them? What if we could stop judging them? What if we just went, oh, these are the results I got. Now, what do I want to decide next? And we got people chiming in, I'm in. <laughs> I think that's what we need. I mean, we are our own worst, I mean, I mean, we truly are our own worst enemies. 
and the things that we judge and we criticize and the things that we do and second guess and yeah if we can just let go of all of that and we do we do we make decisions and we're making it from i mean there's no bad intentions in it we're, we're making those decisions from our highest what we think is like the best for everybody it seems like the best idea at the time yeah it's the only reason why anybody does anything in my world and and oh i got i get pushback but as far as i'm concerned if you ever get tempted this is for everybody if you ever get tempted to ask someone why did you do that or why did you do that no matter what emphasis you put on the sentence if you're ever tempted to ask someone why they did something don't bother here's the answer it seemed like the best idea at the time now you know why they did it you can move on to some other more helpful question yes <laughs> <laughs> So cool. So we have people chiming in for the No Judgment Club. Oh, No Judgment. That's, that's the place to be. There we go. So if, what's the opposite of judgment? What can we call this that wouldn't have the word knowing? It's about acceptance. Oh. There we go. All right. I'm acceptance. So let's do a straw poll because I got a gut feeling about this. Put in number one if you would join a group that was the Acceptance Club and put that in the chat. And we'll give it a second. Unconditional acceptance, there we go. We got a couple of ones coming in. Now, put a two in the chat if you would join the No Judgment Club. Yeah. Let's just see. We'll just take this straw poll. We got some ones coming in for the Acceptance Club, you know, and, and we got some people who are thinking about the No Judgment Club, there we go. <laughs> All right, so um, there was a great, um, interview done with the man who wrote Nonviolent Communication, which has launched a movement in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And he got a lot of pushback for titling his book Nonviolent Communication because he was in a community of people who were like, we don't use no, we don't put no in front of something because it negates the, the subconscious paying attention. And he says, yeah, and Nobody would buy it if I had named it the peaceful communication. That's, yeah. I think there's truth to that for sure. Yeah. Because no one could resonate with it. Because mm -hmm. nobody, non, it's not what you do. Yeah. Nonviolent communication they could get. Yeah. And so we'll continue to play. We'll do some market testing. We'll figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I tried really, really hard to launch a movement that did not have the word suicide in it. The Make It a Great Day movement, the book, Make It a Great Day, The Choice is Yours, all of these things that seemed like a good idea at the time. And here's what I learned. People don't know what that's about. Yeah when we when that's what we're doing on the summit is we're launching the brand of the suicide prevention movement everybody knows what we're talking about when i titled this summit the suicide prevention show trust me i got flack i got flack for calling it a show not a forum not a symposium I got flack for our tagline, which is, we get that suicide is certainly serious. 
and we believe that suicide prevention can be seriously fun. Why? Because if you're having fun, you're further away from the ledge. Yeah, that's true. And I got a lot of pushback on it. And the good news is that if you're getting pushback on your brand, it's probably the right brand. The last thing you want is a brand that is so vanilla that you attract everyone. Yes, that is very true. Yeah, you won't serve anyone. Yeah. Well, I think with judgment, everybody knows when they're judging, but people don't always know what the, what's the reverse of that and how do you not judge and what do you need to do? And because that's not how we live. We live in a society that's, we judge and blame and criticize. And so I think a lot of people know when you're doing that and you don't want to do that anymore versus what it is I'm supposed to do instead. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm laughing. I'm going, oh yeah, a lot of people, all of these things outside of ourselves, you know, judgment, criticism. And I'm like, yeah. And it goes on inside my head too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons. I was just super excited that you were coming on the show, that we could have this conversation, that we could help people just sort of walk their way into a place where they don't have to really worry about getting it right as long as they are simply getting it. So keep yes. talking with us. Tell us what else you would tell yourself when you were little. that I, um, I needed to love myself. I mean, just true love myself instead of, it's like to watch the, I guess it's the way I'm talking to myself. That's what I would, you know, it's like how, watch how I'm talking to myself and pay attention to that. Because how, what we say, we're not, I mean, there's, I don't know how many, 70, how many thoughts a day that we have. And we're just so not aware of what those thoughts are yet most of those thoughts are negative thoughts and they just kind of run in the background and you're never paying attention to it. And then it, it impacts your behavior and the things that you do, but to, to be my own best friend, mm -hmm. I think would be the thing that I would say. And it's interesting. I'm dealing, my youngest is she's nine, almost nine. And being out of school, she's playing with just some of the girls in the neighborhood. And there's one that just isn't always very nice and tells, say, says things to her that are very not nice. And she gets all upset about it. And having the conversation with her, of, you know, not listening to those things and knowing who you are on the inside. And so not taking that stuff in, because I know that's what I did when I was younger, is I absorbed things that I'd heard from other people and took those on as truths instead of my own truth. Um, yeah, so that would be one thing. I would cool. definitely. That, that's a really big thing. You know, I'm liking that a lot. So let's just play with this one more step down the rabbit hole, okay? okay. Wave a magic wand, bring yourself back to today. What do you know now? that you're going to take forward as you bounce forward? Oh, there's so many things that I'm taking from this. Um, 
I think one of the biggest things is that we can't do it alone. That there was a lot of stuff that I did that I just, my mom, I was raised very to be very independent and rely on myself. And I guess my badge of honor was that I could do everything on my own. My, and my husband would get up, I mean, here's my husband, I'm, a, I'm five five and he's six six and I'd need something on the top cabinet and he'd be sitting right there and I'd just climb up on the cabinet and get it down instead of asking him to help me. And he's like, why don't you ask me to help? I'm like, cause I'm just used to doing this all myself. So um, I did a lot of stuff on my own. And, and it's one thing I've learned through losing my husband in the, in, to suicide, I can't do this alone. I mean, I need people and we need support and we need to come together in community. That is probably the biggest thing that I've learned through all of this is that I need people and we need each other and we're way stronger together than we are on our own. Oh, what a great, great thought. Oh, Jennifer, I think you're right. I think this is the year for us to band together, for us to accept that maybe we can dream a little bigger, we can goal a little grander, get a grander goal. We can stretch a little further with the full knowledge that we're not going to do it alone. And we can start asking, not how am I going to do this, but who am I going to ask? Uh -huh. Who am I going to ask to go on this journey with me? And that's been the biggest lesson for me pulling together the show. I mean, I'm doing 24 hours of the best inspirational conversations that I can pull together. I'll guarantee you, I cannot do 24 hours on my own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's a conversation that obviously it's time to be had because I have people lined up for the next show that want to come on and speak. So, we're not going to stop. You know, we're gathering momentum. We're not going to stop. So here's my question. Since you have been so supportive in building momentum for what we're doing, what can we help you build momentum in? What's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? Um, part of what I'm doing as a result of I guess it really is a lot of why I'm doing what I'm doing and in, in the trajectory I'm doing. I mean, I left my firm a few years ago and I've been doing consulting on the side, but really what I want to do is build a coaching business to help people bounce. I mean, not just bounce back, but really bounce forward. I mean, into their wiser, stronger and I mean, more authentic them. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just, in, I mean, I've got the free gift and to connect through that and then let me know how can I help you and how can I support you? And awesome. how together can we become bigger and stronger and more us? Well, that's a beautiful segue into where we're going next because where we're going next is to talk about your free gift. Because I have, for the airwaves, for people listening to this while they're driving, we have a short link for you, a bit late, 
It's bit.ly forward slash TSPS1515. So that's a very short, very easy to understand link. And all the links will be in the show notes. So they'll have them all. I just wanted to make sure I had something that people could get while they were driving. So bit.ly TSPS15. Now tell us what this is about because I grabbed the information and it was eight steps to recover from a biggest, biggest life, life challenge. challenge. Yes. That's amazing. All right, we've got some time. What are the steps? Can you run us through you know, the, the general gist of these just so that people know what's so important about this gift? Well, what one is, is, so, I mean, one step is really truly understanding the challenge mm -hmm. of what it is that you're dealing with. And so I look at this in kind of, um, and I guess the second step too is making sense of it. It's really being mm -hmm. honest with yourself. So how can you, you know, really, and, and it's like, how can you remove the emotion a little bit and look at these things from a place of um, like non-attachment, I'm not attached and really look and see what is it that really I'm dealing with? Mm -hmm. And how has that impacted me? What is, you know, just really stepping back and looking at it and being honest because it's so easy to get so wrapped up into it and the emotions are driving everything that we don't actually take that step back and really look at it. Um, and then it, it's, I think one of the biggest things for me in all of this is acceptance. It's really accepting what is. We're not making it worse than it is. We're not making it better than it is. We are accepting it, what it is that it happened. And I will tell you, uh, I struggled with this, with dealing with my husband's suicide because it's like, how do you accept something that you didn't want to happen? Mm. That's a, that was really tough. And it's, it's, I still come to the place where I've accepted that that was his decision and I have to accept his decision. It's not what I would have chosen, but there is, there was a lot of resistance that I had to this and it took a while to get through that, but that is a really big piece of it. Um, and then it's really learning to live consciously and becoming aware because when we go through something a, a, a serious a challenge in our life an emotional we i guess it's really hard to be truthful to ourselves of where we really are i know what i told myself is that with my husband oh this is i can get through this it's not a big deal until I started, like I couldn't, I was forgetting meetings at work. I couldn't focus. I couldn't do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I really had to start being conscious of what was really going on within me. And what, what was I feeling at that particular point in time? What was I resisting? What did I need to accept? What, and it was really starting to consciously choose what I was doing versus just unconsciously going through the process. And when you do that, you really come back into it's like you're taking your power. I think one of the hardest things for me and all, I mean, in going through a big challenge is that it, it's like your life feels like it's out of control. Mm -hmm. And how do you get that back into control? And uh -huh. for me, it was all about coming back to me and what did I have the power to do? I couldn't change my husband's, what he chose to do. I had to accept what he did and I had to make decisions from that place. And so it really comes into 
consciously looking at that and choosing and forgiveness and all of that too because forgiveness is a big piece forgiveness of ourselves forgiveness of other people it's a big piece and then it's really starting to just focus on the here and now and where am i what do i want what's going to help me what you know if you're like with me i've got you know i have a, a she was seven when he died i had to focus on her and like really focusing on what she was doing and her i mean just her expression how she was and trying to be really present in the in that moment and then i think a big piece is taking care of ourselves i think we lose that and what is it that we need is there somebody we need to talk to do we take a bath i mean just giving ourselves some grace to go yeah. through it Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think, at least I did, I, I did a lot of, I pushed myself to try to get through it instead of giving myself the grace to go, you know what, it's a hard day. Or something happened and it triggered everything and just being kind to myself during all of that and what do I need in those specific times. Mm -hmm. um, and then the support. We need to seek and share support. I mean, so it's really about how can we get support and how can we support because sometimes when we're supporting other people it takes it off of us and lets us do focus on something else and makes us feel good and then discovering your true self i mean i think that's really my whole message and that's the gift my husband gave me is that it's coming back to who am i my truest self and what do i want and where am i going and how do i take all of this and build a life that i want to live now wow that's, so it's a lot packed in all of that. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, what an amazing gift to take people through all of that. Jennifer, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very, very happy that you were willing to come and share your story. Well, I'm happy to share. So the link is in the chat for everyone. You know, the eight steps to recover from your biggest life challenges and bounce forward. And I loved this into a wiser, stronger, better version of you. So it's all about you and it's a good thing. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm, I love it when people come into the center of their own life. So Jennifer, thank you for being willing to help so many people come into the center of their own lives. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I've enjoyed this. <laughs>